Welcome, one and all, to Picard, a Star Trek podcast by Fantastic Geek, your official, unofficial voice of the Star Trek universe. My name is Matt, and joining me, as always, is Pete. Bonjour, Pete. Europa, here we come. Picard, a Star Trek podcast by Fantastic Geek for episode 210, Farewell, comes to you now via the wings of those who came before us. Pete, the Fantastic Geek golden hours continue uh we were talking the moon Knight finale yesterday we'll be doing the wrap-up for that season uh next saturday meanwhile here we are today this saturday talking the picard season finale uh what's in store for tomorrow tomorrow we will be bringing you our impressions of strange new worlds uh premiere pilot Uh, Having seen the first two at the red carpet premiere last week. Uh, And then Monday, it will continue to be strange around these parts. Indeed, we'll be talking Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. Um, Pete won't spoil anything yet, but really weird to be seeing the Patrick Stewart show (laughs) and the Anson Mount show on thursday and then going to see doctor strange in the multiverse of madness just leave it at that more discussion uh, about doctor strange in the multiverse of madness on monday yes uh we will be bringing you a picard season two wrap uh next monday okay that will be on uh may 16th so have your thoughts regarding all of season two heading towards season three still don't have a date yet i suspect it'll be the next one up after strange new worlds season one probably sometime if not the fall definitely early 2023 pete i rather like the symmetry that today's star trek picard podcast got pushed back a day due to circumstances like other things to podcast and that the picard season wrap is pushed a day later bringing balance to the universe in some sort of thanos style even though that's another universe uh how about this pete let's get ready for the mission briefing as the wind whistles above chateau picard Picard recounts family stories of how their home was shot up when his ancestors were reoccupying it in the 21st century, pointing to the same bullet holes. Rios asks if it means they're on the path to the right future. Picard is not certain. Rios brings up Gerardi's prophecy, which Picard repeats. Uh that to succeed there need to be two renees one who lives and another who dies talon breathes heavily as she hears it rios asks how it's even possible picard looks at talon who tells him later seven and raffi enter and they all beam back to talon's apartment where she opens a safe she hands them devices that should work like tricorders Seven asks if Rafi can tag Soong's GPS, which shows his fleet of vehicles is still at his house. Indeed, uh, part of our heroes will be headed to his uh, place. That's going to be Rios, Seven, Rafi. 
Uh, Talon headed to the launch facility. She will transport in, which is to say, around the considerable security and so forth. She's going to be watching Renee. It's what she does. Uh, and as she pen clicks in her transporter, Picard follows. We get the credits. Glorious, resplendent. This episode written by Christopher Monfeet and Akiva Goldsman. The very same Akiva Goldsman that we saw in person at the Star Trek uh, Strange New Worlds premiere. And directed by Michael Weaver. Uh, we get a, a soaring shot of the, the inner solar system. Capcom uh, radio voices prepping for the launch as the camera takes us to the mother of it all. No, Pete, I'm not talking about Mother Earth. I'm talking about Mother California. Your $20 million tax credit towards this season is appreciated. So I got a dingham on the narration at the launch site. We're told here 21 minutes uh, to launch. All right. And a little bit, Matt. They're going to have three minutes and 45 seconds to the drone launch, which is the backup if Sung can't take out Renee so that the mission can not succeed. Then we'll be told that there's 60 minutes to launch. Okay. Then the, uh, the ship will launch moments later. So, yeah. Pete, I hope you're not suggesting that this episode has some narrative sloppiness, because if you're suggesting that, then I might have to point out some further concerns about that. Pete, let's focus on the positive here, okay? Picard and Talon transport into the rear of what I suspect is the Disney Concert Hall in downtown Los Angeles, the interior of which was where Picard gave the Academy speech, as well as the uh let's execute the board queen in the alt future uh he within the story because it's not really disney concert hall in the story it's the launch facility uh he's stopping talon from being the other renee the dying renee and an interesting choice to telegraph the twist later on uh talon thinks that queen gerardi was in fact more agnes than borg we can trust this prophecy of the two Renes. Talon is indeed ready to die. Don't tell me what to do, Dad, she says in emotion, if not in dialogue. You can't control me or Mom or me as your mom. Uh, ultimately, ultimately, she says, I don't need saving. And this punctuates the end of the scene. She never has. Soong's voice echoes in his home as Rafi, Rios, and Seven beam in. But it's a recording. In fact, it looks a lot like what Matt is doing right now. <laughs> um, yes, it's nice to see, though, that I think Soong is not using uh, the Apple brand products, which, uh, if we learned anything from the show 24, the good guys use Apple products. Um, but we do have Rios, Seven, Rafi sneaking around, uh, concluding, of course, that he's actually at the launch. Uh, team Rios, Team 7, if you prefer, uh, they are there uh, finding the four drones are prepped and ready to launch, as you mentioned, Pete, in less than four minutes. Uh, they'll take out the launch if soon can't, uh, which is a handy way to give the A team and the B team both important things to do. Uh, we cut to Talon sneaking in at mission headquarters, uh, intercut with Rafi poking around the drones. They're all hardwired to explode, but go get some tools, screwdriver, 
scissors and so forth, Mama Rafi's going to fix this. Yes, maybe get them manual control. Talon emerges from a room wearing a uniform with an ID and easily moves past security. Soong wasn't expected uh, at the launch site or they would have prepared a VIP booth, but he's not the VIP today. He just wants a few minutes with the astronauts to shake their hands before they create the future. But with all the quarantine protocol, whoa, 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 whoa. Didn't his donations buy him five minutes of FaceTime? Of course, as they prepare to suit up. He's like the kind of guy who would buy a popular microblogging social media site just to tear it apart. Talon sneaks into Renee's quarantine room, pretending to help uh i'm here in place of maya wait why are you wearing maya's uniform we go back to soon his handler uh thought that they would never get to launch day uh soon regards her just just so poorly what a terrible attitude he says which i think is a great character moment that even though soon is opposed to her it's kind of this notion of you doubted that your dream, that your big dream could happen. Um, like, I, like I really, Brent it's a, Spiner just completely chewing this up. Yeah. And, I mean, and, we understand why he's trying to be able to move about freely so that he can do what he needs to. and doesn't need this lady glad handing him, but boy, does he lean into the insults? Pete, I kind of feel like, it's like the Brent Spiner that we've seen at conventions with his sarcastic uh, commentary that it's not quite uh, it's not quite Chakotay level of dismissal of the fans. It's just he'll he'll play with the fans. He'll he'll wrestle them a little bit with some jokes and then pull it right back. It, it, Peter shows, if nothing else, in all sincerity, Brent Spiner is best remembered, of course, as Data, but more than Data, of course. We go back to Talon. Uh, it's speech time to Renee talking about when Renee was a little girl. The little girl had mourned her mother, hopes to find her in the stars, I think mostly metaphorically. Talon admits to having seen young Renee over the years. She grabs the sailboat necklace given to Renee many years ago. Uh, Talon has wanted to be seen, to be known as the guardian angel. Pete, take us back to Raffi and crew in, in a quick cross-cut uh, episode here. Uh, Raffi cuts a wire and gains full control. <laughs> that was, uh, see, fast and cross-cut. If you're not sure how your episode's doing, cross-cut, increase tension. Uh, we go to Picard, spying on Soon, then go back to Talon, uh, who has a hunch that Renee's life depends on trusting Talon. Renee's response is actually a cut away. Pete, I will admit I fell for this one. I was like, ugh. Okay, I have not loved this season as my own, uh, and it's the finale, and they have to have extra tension. So they're not going to tell us Renee say yes, or Renee say no. Slight eye roll here. Renee, of course, we can look back and say Renee in quotes. Actually, Talon walks out of the room, finding Soong, saying there's a crazy woman over there who says she's from space, and Soong takes uh, Renee, faux Renee, away by the face here hand on her cheek so very clearly standing out that something is a foul uh they will call someone 
and uh, she goes with him. Uh, more action back at Casa de Sung regarding gaining control of the drones and then back to Sung, who's on the phone telling security to get to the suit-up room as Rene starts to feel the effects of the fast-acting and fatal neurotoxin that Sung peels off the hand he just touched uh, her face to. Yes, the promise that it will happen soon. Uh, we have Rios, uh, the, rather the drones, one of which Rios is flying. Uh, they're flying and flying. Rios, uh, I guess we're led to believe he's going to blast them, although we'll stick a pin in that for a second. We go back to Renee, sick, then more drones, lots of intercutting. Rios takes out all four drones by crashing drone four into drone one, then two, then three, and with the third collision is when Rios's drone explodes. <laughs> Which is handy. As you know, Pete, in the future, the near future of the 2024 in the Star Trek universe, uh, the the fourth drone in a drone convoy is capable of uh, three collisions before self-explosion. That's just how it's done. Listen, this is a three-act finale. The first very, very much the weakest. The good thing is it gets stronger as it goes along. Uh, with that taken care of, Picard cradles Rene, uh, and he says there must be some med tech to help, but she tells Jean-Luc it's too late, and they both know. She needs to see, and the rocket that we've been told moments before is T-minus uh, 60 minutes to launch, now launches. Time is a funny thing, Q will later tell us. Uh, he tells her to look up, and she smiles faintly, revealing that she is Talon with her Romulan ears. She knows now the secrets they keep, all the reasons they never tell someone they love them are worthless. Picard tells her he's sorry, but she says sweet Picard's guilt must have saved planets by now countless lives in trade for the one he couldn't she got to tell renee maybe renee will remember her and know she was worth it all uh he helped her give that to renee talon tells him to absolve himself for the only life uh, left unsaved will be his own and as Talon says, Renee's eyes were so beautiful, she dies in Picard's arms, and he kisses the top of her head. At the Soon compound, uh, which gets shown uh, exterior in the reverse here, placing it somewhere kind of in the, the Venice-Malibu section of the city. Uh, well, Pete, I won't even go on the tangent about how... So one... Venice and Malibu are pretty far apart. True, but both are... Both are close to the Pacific and rather far from what I think could be charitably called a big launch facility, but I'm not even going to ding it on that. I totally get like the need for narrative convenience when it comes to geography. Pete, uh, all I'm saying is this. I didn't know it was so close to the ocean until they showed the one angle in this episode that showed that. So it, that's a cool house that they rented out for the exteriors. But Pete, we are on the inside, okay? It's a ruin. As the TV plays Renee, uh, you know, live satellite uplink, checking with the astronauts, live on news network. 
Uh, Renee is showing all systems normal. Europa, here we come. It's success. It's a go. Pete, timeline preserved. Soong is there watching, scoffing. I know it's a scoff, not only because I heard it, but because the subtitles described it as scoffing. He rages and smashes some things. Then his computer beeps. All of a sudden, files are deleting. No, no, no. Uh, but the files are deleting. With that, Pete, cut to cut us to the place which is the bane of such Soong types who would control our socials, media, and our access to healthcare and so forth. What is the most dangerous of places? A public library where Corey wears a headset and is swiping files. She tells her father she made a new future for both of them and that what she's done is for her sisters. The computer confirms 100% file deletion and a system-wide purge is completed. Soong sits back and then opens a drawer containing a confidential funding report uh, named Project Con, dated June 7th, 1996. So that's a thing. I also won't go off on a tangent about how uh, every six months I take all the podcast files and put them on an exterior hard drive just in case our web-based solution ever fails us because Corey hacks in from a public library. But I understand the point, Pete. He has a backup of his most precious break glass in case of emergency kind of plan. Back to the library we go. Corey has sent a message. Curious, what's next? Watch and observe. She sent an address. Pete, I knew that clearly this would be Q, okay? She goes to MacArthur Park, and instead it is television host Will Wheaton in what I thought was surprising, but a nice moment. Uh, he acts and says that it's all a long and complicated story. He used to be Wesley Crusher. Uh, now he's a traveler of all time and space. Uh, his hands gesticulate as he explains as he acts and says that people like him oversee the supervisors maintaining the tapestry of all that is they protect everything two paths are now before Corey. one is an ordinary life second uh is everything else including purpose and meaning some danger uh that is the recruitment speech she says she's in he says welcome to the travelers and they star trek beam out at Chateau Picard, Rios packs up a tricorder, a couple of comm badges, and a broken phaser. Every butterfly he could find. Seven says they'll never know if it worked, but Raffi says it had to, and it's the only way. Never seeing the people they're never going to see again will be okay. Seven realizes they live there now and asks how money works. Rios tells them to come to L.A., as Ricardo calls Rios over to show him the rocks he found outside, Seven says she's never seen him so happy. Rafi asks if she's really okay with her Borg baggage. Rafi says that maybe she wants to work on herself when Seven kisses her. Rafi asks what that means, and Seven tells her to let it breathe. Raffi wonders where JL slipped off to, and he takes the skeleton key and places it behind the loose brick. Q tells him bravo, because destiny has been left for the little boy he will be in the future to find. 
Picard finds Q sitting in the solarium. He looks weak, Q does. Uh, perhaps, he says, Picard considered destroying the key. Would that have changed everything? Q notes that Picard uh, has chosen, uh, by not destroying the key, has chosen the Jean-Luc that he is. And perhaps now Jean-Luc will allow someone to choose him, to love him. This was all about forgiveness. Picard's forgiveness. Why? Know thyself. Picard reflects on all the loss. Q says, in what I will say, Pete, is a nice little narrative flourish here. Talon always dies in every timeline, but this is the only one where she met Renee. Uh, I feel like that's enough for me as an audience member to be okay with mm -hmm. the loss of Talon. Um, maybe it's a little bit of a telegraph that we're going to deal with the loss of Elnor in the coming scenes, but to me, that completely worked. Picard asks that for over 30 years, why me? Hugh says that he's moving on, dying, as you might say, uh, and is alone. Q is giving Picard the gift of companionship. Be unshackled from the past and be free. Picard asks why all this matters. Is this part of a celestial upheaval, uh, a larger season three plan? Uh, Q says that it matters to Q. You matter to me, and even gods have favorites. With that, Q has one last surprise in store as this particular an incredibly lovely scene starts to wrap mm -hmm. up. John Delancey standing and taking Patrick Stewart's face in his hands here. Just a really touching moment. You know, we've had the sparring. Lord knows we've had enough tension between these two characters. But to round it all to here... Now, I got to tell you, this was quite an emotional scene. It really was. It was it was the second most earned scene of the episode, perhaps the season. Uh, the most earned is the one that's about to unfold. And I'm not talking about the quick little touch in where Picard enters the sitting room with good news. Um, it's just, you know, one really gets the sense that uh, this these two scenes are the end of this 30-year story. So indeed, Pete, we go to the exterior of the chateau where Picard, Seven, Rafi, Rios, Teresa, and Ricardo walk out, uh, and Q walks into the scene. Uh, it's his final act. Rafi is ready to try and kill Q over the loss of Elnor, uh, but she's hands-off when, uh, when asked if she's ready to be transported back. Uh, but it is Rios who isn't ready. He's going to stay here. Picard tells him that can't be done. Uh, Rios notes he has never fit in. Here he's home. Picard tells him to make a good future. And Rios wonders if this was always the plan. Q wonders that too. Which I think is also enough story wiggle room to say, you know, a la when Ben Sisko went back to 2024. Now the... Uh, the guy that he took the place of, that's why he looks like Ben Sisko. Like, there's enough time loop stuff here to, to say. It's the writers saying, let's not worry about the timeline here. We are, we're, we're doing a workaround. Um, goodbyes are said, and Picard approaches Q. Q wonders uh, if maybe, since he doesn't have to send Rios back, there'll be just enough surplus energy to give a gift. He says, farewell, mon capitaine. It's time for Q to go, but not alone, adds Picard, who hugs him. And Q adds that he'll see him out there 
and then gives the biggest cue snap ever. These old adversaries turned allies, locking eyes for the final time there as the snap comes and back from the brilliant white to the stargazer just before they left with the computer counting down to auto-destruct. Picard cancels it. Seven is there as well. Picard orders the crew to stand down. He tells them to let the queen proceed. He once told a dear friend what the Edith Piaf song meant to him. While he doesn't have time to teach them the words, Picard believes that the queen has had 400 years to consider them. Hasn't she? And the queen retracts her tentacles and her helmet, revealing it is indeed Gerardi. Uh, as the fleet floats aimlessly, Raffi enters the bridge and wants to know what's going on. Uh Action is needed to help. Uh, indeed, there's a massive buildup of energy in the quadrant. Uh, it's tri-quantum waves. There's going to be a huge energy output, enough to destroy most of the quadrant. Queen Gerardi wants to sink all the fleet shields with Borg tech in order to, uh, to protect the quadrant, which initially I was like, I don't understand how that's going to work. Uh, Pete, through the visual medium of film and TV storytelling, we're going to see it uh, done shortly. Indeed. We're going to see show, not tell. More on that later. Uh, seven, uh, it is observed, should lead the negotiations with the Borg, given her Borg background. She's given a field commission. Would have been nice if Picard said to captain, but I think it's implied. Uh, she takes the captain's seat. The fleet is hailed. Uh, Agnes, be brilliant. Uh, with that, uh, Agnes initiates the fleet into a grid formation, uh, which is just that, kind of a square shape uh the shields are harmonized they're all working together wait uh not excelsiors not excel wait a minute pete now that you mention it's excelsior who's there to answer the hail it's cadet elnor who's trying to fix things wait he remembers la serena and no wait no time for too much reflection however he's back he's alive uh make those adjustments cadet pete that's the gift uh the disruption you remember Raffi's gift to him. Pete, what gift was that? So in the flashback, um, she had told him, had taught him how, or was teaching him how to reca recalibrate the shield emitters for when he went to Starfleet Academy. Uh, the manipulation of, hey, don't go back to the Kuat Malat, you need to, you know, do your thing and go to Starfleet. Well then, all the better, a well-earned uh, scene planted back low these many episodes ago. Uh, but in the here and now, the disruption is about to blow, then it does. The combined shields are able to hold it. Uh, visually, we can see that. Uh, it lights up the sky across the galaxy. No, no, Pete, we're not seeing things from the view of that one planet from... Um, Star Wars Episode Nine that is the new head of things and then gets quickly destroyed. What's that called? Exonor? Alaxonor? What's it called? You're mixing your Star Wars -eses. Well, anyhow, we see it just lighting up the sky across the galaxy. Also a great example of show, not tell. Because um, they could have said, reports are coming in from throughout the galaxy that they see it. Instead, 
me just see it. The fleet shields, though, are holding strong. Queen Jurati has just saved billions and billions of lives. And that was the idea, mister. You see, Pete, Jurati is still in there. Rafi asks if they see it, and Seven believes they've just witnessed the creation of a transwarp conduit, but unlike any she's ever seen before. Picard asks who created it. Jurati says that even with their collective knowledge, the answer remains elusive. Picard says she knows more. Jurati says what they see is a piece of the puzzle whose final image remains unclear, but is tied to a threat which requires close observation. The Borg request provisional membership to the Federation so that they may remain there. A guardian at the gates, Picard, thanks her, and she nods. Pete, perhaps this close observation will require up to and including 10 more episodes of Star Trek Picard. I don't know. Uh, we get the TNG TMP theme. I felt perhaps a little unearned or out of place. I, I don't know. Uh, but I do know this, Pete. We go to the 10 Forward, the bar in Los Angeles, where Whoopi Goldberg Guinan thanks Picard for setting her straight. And uh, there's reflections on their their time together in the past, which now I suppose is canonically accurate. Uh, but has Picard ever noticed that photo over there by the bar? The one with uh, Rios and Teresa? They formed the Mariposas, the medical team, uh, the butterflies, as I, I'm sure you know, Pete, from uh, Westworld. Uh, the medical team that helped when they could. As for Ricardo, Pete, we don't get a show here of Ricardo later in life putting together a team that brightens the minds uh, who... who uh, healed the oceans in the sky using uh, information discovered by Renee. We just get the tell of EGOT winner Whoopi Goldberg telling us that. Uh, as for the, the 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 end of the Chris uh, and Teresa story, we don't get the show. We instead get Whoopi Goldberg reflecting on their visits. Such good people. As for their end, Teresa was uh, one who died in old age. Rios a bit sooner in a Moroccan bar fight fighting over medical supplies his last breath into that uh into a cigar as we conclude this flashback of sorts of exposition i know you have your qualms about it it really worked for me um i didn't need to see it with what Whoopi goldberg brought to it so i was fine with that Picard brings Raffi, Seven, and Elnor drinks at the next table and makes a toast to family then, because that's what they are. We get a really nice reprisal of the theme from Star Trek First Contact. Uh, Jeff Russo, I thought, you know, throughout this season, touching lovingly, but not overly so on some themes from the films. Jeff Russo always just such a such a gift to modern Star Trek's music. Picard concludes the toast, saying that they must he must get to somewhere. Uh, he blows a kiss to Guinan, which is itself a lovely scene, uh, and then returns to the chateau. He walks its empty halls, seeing bags are packed. He finds Laris, uh, who says she's ready to look forward, uh, and she's ready to go on her own adventures. 
He notes that there are moments in life that we long to repeat, and he looks for a second chance now. She nods. They hold hands and talk, camera pulling out, overlooking the chateau, then moving up to the sky to end the episode and the season. We have an incoming threat analysis, Pete. So let's talk about Zoom. So we'll talk about the file and the the name check and what that could mean in the next segment. But for him to fail, as we all expected he would, in uh, taking out Renee and preventing the launch, and then, of course, to go back and destroy his laboratory and for Corey to have the last laugh on him, I mean, sets the trajectory of uh, Soong's of Future's past. It does. And, you know, I think I think we're all familiar with this notion um, that and it was something actually that we overheard people talking about lay people not show people uh that we heard people talking about at the strange new worlds premiere how brent spiner said i will not play data in season two if you want me back i will not play data again uh so he gets the opposite of data here you know someone who's selfish tempestuous villainous untrustworthy and so forth you know if it's if it's brent spiner's desire to come back but only on his terms and he wants to have the star trek audience see that he can play all the dark notes and all of that you know this is a great villainous turn i think soong is someone who acts a little over the top i'm not saying brent spiner is performing over the top uh, pete i don't know if another threat to this episode is someone else's uh, performance but that's a discussion for a later time uh brent spiner delicious as soong and I assume this is the last that we will see of Adam soon. Uh, and if so, you know, just what a, what a great conclusion. The tri quantum wave disturbance. I go back and forth on this, Matt. It felt a little deus ex machina, but then at the same time, we've kind of been on this path that they needed to team up with, the Borg, even though we never get the identification in dialogue of this Borg being the Legion that the subtitles at the beginning of the season called them and ultimately preventing this catastrophe. Here's my feeling. We spent most of the first episode getting to a point where the Borg have attacked and all is bad. And then, you know, three, two, one, the ship explodes. And then there's a little bit of super compelling episode, Picard the Chateau, Q saved him, alternate future, all that stuff. I felt like when we finally got back to the Stargazer, it essentially, and Picard says, stop explosion. I understand now. It was like, yes, I am friend, friend Gerardi. The thing is, there's a bad thing coming. Will you shield with me? I will shield with you. Let's all shield. Shield, activate, shield, protect. The end. You can trust me. Get ready for a threat for season three, but let's not spend too much time on the Stargazer. The end. So I think in that regard, I'm not a fan of how they used the tri-quantum wave disturbance in that it's like a real quick ending to things. 
Um, and I understand why it's real quick. And if only Picard had known what he did in the beginning episode of the season, but of course he didn't because he didn't go on the journey. I understand all the machinations, but it's like, you know, again, I've been all season long. When are we going to get back to trekking the stars in a starship where they do starship adventures? I know that doesn't need to be every Star Trek all the time, but I would like some Star Trek in my Star Trek. And we finally get back to it now. And it felt awful quick, even though I know the next time I watch this episode, it'll be in preparation for season three. And it'll be like, and we are the Guardians at the Gates. Dun, da, da, da. And I'll be like, oh, yeah, because tomorrow episode 301 drops. So I watch the finale and I find out what the what's on the other side of those gates tomorrow. I get it's the setup, but as it behaves in this episode, I'm not a huge fan. Not a threat, Matt. In fact, the polar opposite are the good people of Patreon.com slash Fantastic Geek. They are our fleet with which we can form a grid shield formation thing. <laughs> uh, and particularly, Pete, uh, look, the, we don't have a triquantum wave disturbance attacking us. What we do have is the timeline uh, sending us lots of beautiful, glorious, fun content. Uh, but there's times where our own uh, shield harmonics might be feeling a little low. And it's like, but wait, there's those people on Patreon, indeed, all the audience who count on us. Uh, so as we need to power up our shields, our storage, our bandwidth, having that support that keeps us listener supported is oh so appreciated. Everybody who contributes gets access to exclusive podcast content, all sorts of levels to choose from. But it takes just a dollar a month to get you in that door. Can't contribute this month. Get yourself over to Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating in seconds. Uh, the Picard podcast in particular is one away from a really important Star Trek number. So you could be the person to make that happen. Leave us a review in a little while longer, both of which help the audience find us. Let us set those long range sensors to scan for theories. Pete, is Soji now just out there hanging out with the Deltons, going on the good robot person tour, and never to return to Star Trek Picard? So, Matt, we have some news this week about who's back and who is not for season three. Um, we had had it... Uh, put out there in the last week that Allison Pill um, moved to New York and did not film for season three. Now, are they being coy? Is this something? It certainly could be. Just because you're not a regular in the season doesn't mean you can't appear. And certainly the way it was left, I mean, Matt, how do you remain a guardian at the gates and not be there? You wear that, your mask the whole time. <laughs> unless that threat gets handed off to another show, potentially. Not sure. But it's not just Gerardi. Um, Santiago Cabrera is, uh, or was, when they were filming season three of Picard, um, brought onto the flight attendant on HBO Max. Um we have Issa Briones, who took 
to Instagram here to make a uh, statement about her time on uh, Picard and that that has come to an end. Okay. And apparently, uh, even Evangoria is not in season three. So the only two we have confirmed other than the titular character, of course, and the entire next generation cast are, uh, Michelle Hurd and Jerry Ryan. Well, that's one way to clear up the story space. I know when there was the announcement of the next generation cast, you know, joining, of course, it's now when they made the announcement, it was in past tense because they were done filming. But however you want to do your verbs, uh, joining, having joined season three, it was like, well, how do you have all those people? And how do you still make time for Elnor to be like, wait, look, scans coming in and all that stuff. One way to do it is to have a culling. Look, I'm not the biggest Elnor fan in the world, and I'm not going to cry my eyes out that, I don't know, Rios is not going to be in the show next season. I have been with them for 20 episodes, and I kind of dig them. Um, and though TNG is, you know, the smack dab middle of my childhood and early teenage years, uh, and I'm excited for those characters to come back, you know, as we stand right now, uh, you know, I, I've dug the season one, season two crew, and for them to presumably be cast aside, I mean, I guess, Pete, we got a taste of it this season where it's like, hey, Soji, how's it going in your cool dress? Okay, goodbye. A couple episodes later, hey, Corey looks like Soji. Um, you know, ditto for Elnor and so forth. Um, I don't know. I guess, I guess I'm not great with it, but it is what it is. And if it's made for a better season three Particularly since, like I said before, I'm not, you know, season two of Star Trek Picard is not my most favorite Star Trek season ever. Um, if it's in the service of a greater story, so be it. I mean, we've been told that the next generation inclusion for season three is not a cameo, that they are regulars. Um, uh, Gates McFadden has been uh, on social media talking about doing ADR, that's automatic uh, dialogue replacement for uh, at least six episodes, or she may be through the sixth episode that they have of the 10. Um, so, yeah, you're going to expect a lot of that. And I think, too, the idea that they've talked about behind the scenes of earning the reappearance of the next generation crew instead of doing it from the start and really kind of defraying this focus on just Picard these first two seasons. That said, you know, Alison Pill and Santiago Cabrera and Issa Briones and Evan Evangoria, they've earned fans in their own right in the Star Trek universe through their performance of these characters the last two seasons. And um, I'm, fairly sad to see one if not all of them go there had been such clamoring at the beginning of the season here oh we need the the rios stargazer spinoff and then to have him stay in the past you know that we won't get that um you know we still have this beautiful set and you have to imagine it's a big deal for season three um you know does 
Jerry Ryan do some more Star Trek after this, and perhaps they can come back in some way, shape, or form. It it is Star Trek. You're never really gone. You know, you had made your slip about, I believe you meant to talk about uh, Hosnian Prime, which was the galactic center at the beginning of The Force Awakens, and then you gave a little Rise of Skywalker with Exegol. Um, you know, you're never really gone in that universe. You're never really gone in Star Trek. I suppose I am less interested in a Stargazer with Captain Seven show than I am with Captain Rios. And I'm like, oh no, am I bringing unintended subconscious systemic uh, gender bias here? If so, that's a major personal foul and major Star Trek foul. Um, or it's just maybe, you know, like, I don't know. I like the Rios character better. Um, if nothing else, Pete, I think it's increasingly clear that for Picard season three, the way this episode leaves us, the Stargazer is going to be the ship to fight the threat. Um, that's why they built the set. Um, I know I had said definitely off mic, maybe uh, on mic, that I had wondered if maybe the construction, there definitely was a different amount of California tax credit given for season two i think it was slightly less for season three still was a good chunk of change i think 20 million versus 15 million something like that but it now makes a little more sense to me why you would come up with a really compelling story to build a multi-season set this season and maybe not use it as much but now rolled into next season um and i'm certainly not saying you know creative versus cost or whatever i just think that's I like what they've done with the creation of the set, and I like that I still anticipate it, even though I'm kind of grumbly that we spent so much of these episodes in 2024. Okay, this clearly was the design of the season that they wanted. Um, so I'm satisfied there. Well, put me down for a Star Trek Seven series and, uh, you know, serve me a side of uh, Admiral Janeway with that. Uh, I'm definitely up for that. Let me ask you this, Pete. So there's, you know, the triumphant season three uh, teaser there. You know, you get all the names there. Um, it since has been noted in a couple of places that uh, Brent Spiner is playing an undisclosed role. Uh, and again, talk of his, you know, I will not play data again. Is it talk? Is it real? You know, that that I suppose we'll find out in due course. But I'd like to focus on the fact that that season three teaser did not mention will wheaton and i suspect we got our will wheaton star trek you know final bow or at least as final as we can figure things out i think we got that in this episode where yes he still is a traveler he you know travels time and space um he's a galactic being i, I feel like this was the finale for wesley crusher I think it's too big a temptation to not somehow work a scene with him in season three with the full next generation cast. So I'm not going to rule it out. It's interesting that they've now retconned the supervisors a la Gary seven and Talon and the travelers as being all connected. Um, 
So that's now a thing. And Corey's gone into their service. Issa Briones saying publicly, that's it for her for Star Trek Picard. But again, you know, we've never been lied to. Matt, I'm, I'm, I have breaking news. Katie Sackhoff is no longer in the credits uh, for Battlestar Galactica. They've taken her out. She will never show up again. They killed her off. I saw her Viper explode. Uh, I, Pete, I don't want to spoil a 15-year-old show for anyone, <laughs> but I, I I think she was in more episodes than you are currently accounting for at this point in the timeline. Wait, uh, are you an the... angel? <laughs> um. Pete, I will choose my words carefully here. Uh, let me flash back to 1987, okay? The two biggest draws for me for Star Trek Next Generation were uh, LeVar Burton, my host of Reading Rainbow. There he was, flying the Enterprise. Uh, and then second on that list was uh, the the dashing boy genius, Wesley, proxy <laughs> for people just like me. Um, fast forward to all these years later, I will say this, Pete. The performance that Will Wheaton gives in this scene made me think of his comments in the last couple of weeks about um, how he was unhappy as a child actor and, and placed a lot of blame on his parents, uh, putting him in uh, uncomfortable, uncomfortable positions, you know, mm -hmm. to go out to to uh, audition and so on and so forth. Uh, his performance reminded me that he's a really able talk show host at this point. I don't want to throw stones um i was thrilled to see the character return um but i felt like i was watching um the talk show and yeah i mean we're, we're kind of in the same space in that we talk about the show too and i'm, I'm not trying to be nor do i want to be mean about that um, but yeah, we've seen better performance from Will Wheaton. Um, I think iron sharpens iron and I think the familiarity and the relationship he's enjoyed with his former castmates for 35 years, uh, if he is to reappear would bring uh, some better out of him. So Pete, I understand the wants and needs of the story, but what is it exactly that happened with original timeline Gerardi, who was also on the bridge and now isn't there because I guess the show knew Allison pill wasn't coming back for season three. Like why we could poke holes all day, you know? So, only our regulars of the show went into the alternate timeline with knowledge of the original timeline. So that in and of itself makes it suspect. It's the, it's a wonderful lifing of these characters that Rios is gone, that the helmsman is like, but wait, where's captain Rios? Oh, hang on. Uh, Guinan's going to tell us in the next scene. Um, they can't be 
in both places, except in time travel stories when they can be in both places because they haven't gone back yet and or just disappeared. It's the whole willful suspension of disbelief. Um, so that's Gerardi now. She's she has merged with the Borg and really they front loaded this whole story, her difficulty in relationships the repeated references to her loneliness. Now she's merged with the Borg queen. They've become a better Borg. They've helped now. Um, you know, it remains to be seen what level the Borg and this guardian at the gates thing will carry over to season three. Um, but it did what it needed to do. I mean, we we expected it and we had, again, that news that she would not return a little earlier this week. The uh, Santiago Cabrera one, I think, hurts a little bit more because it came a little bit more suddenly. We knew that there could be a Rios taking Teresa and Ricardo back to the future, but that he stayed and that his story ends you know, um, it hurts. It hurts in a good way. We we came to um, love and enjoy the characters' contributions, but uh, that's it. What other theories do you have? So um, Talon said she had never met Renee, and Maury determined that was a lie. If there are some narrative inconsistencies with that perhaps pete i don't know i feel like my common observation for this season has been not quite 10 episodes of story stretched across 10 episodes and if that's the case and along the way in the stretching process some details were not caught i mean i feel like the sympathy for a covid affected season um I mean, I know this was made at much worse COVID times than now. That said, like, ultimately, at the end of the day, in an edit, you can go back and dub lines. And in the worst of a COVID wave, you can still say, Orla Brady, we're going to send you a $500 microphone and a MacBook, and we're going to connect to it. We want you to go in your closet, which is really quiet and soundproofed, and we want you to say, I've never met you, or... I've only met you a few times or whatever it is. Like these things are eminently fixable. Um, so again, if I should be more sympathetic to like, ah, but they were so, they were so exhausted at the end of the season that some things went through, you know, okay. But that doesn't mean do the job any less accurately. The project con file is obviously tantalizing. We've had long gestating plans for a potential con spinoff series. Is this just, oh, Sung then, you know, was somehow involved in this. Thank goodness, Matt, they had the 1996 date because that is what is in the original series. It kind of, well, I mean, we don't know that something didn't launch in 1996, which is what's credited with the, the botany bay. Um, is Khan part of 
the piece of the puzzle for the threat of season three? I hope not because, you know, it's weird to watch. It's weird to have watched this episode through the lens of having seen the first two episodes of strange new worlds. And I'll say, you know, we'll save a lot of that discussion for tomorrow's podcast, but I think part of the Star Trek journey since 2016 has been how to figure out what what is it that the audience wants the most while also giving something that the audience does not want. Because we could just do TOS Season 4 um, if you want, but clearly they want to do something that's that's different enough. So that's a long way of saying, you know, there, there's a certain mix of nostalgia and like, and that's how it came to be that, you know, uh, Kirk became a captain. They don't talk about that in the first two episodes of Strange New Worlds, just an example. You know, or whatever it is, you go, oh, and that's how it is that, uh, I think back to Star Trek 2009, and that's how McCoy got to wear the ring even though he's not married. That's why he has the nickname Bones, things like that, that where you go, ooh, nostalgia, but new territory, but old territory. I don't know that it adds a whole lot to the con mystique to be like, and Adam Soong was actually somehow a part of it, but we want to give a good stinger or something. Like, I feel like it's more of a dot, 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 as opposed to Guardians of the Gates, find out next season. Or, you know, I would agree the con spinoff seems to be dead. I believe, you know, I don't think Alex Kurtzman has talked about it as around the corner stuff. Um, even though I also don't believe him when he says uh, Section 31 is right around the corner, but at least he's brought that one up. So I feel like it was just a cool attempt at a cool zinger, and maybe I just felt like it was a little bit too much to be like, look, hashtag it really is all connected, when it kind of didn't need to be. Nick Meyer, who directed uh, Star Trek II, has long talked about the potential to do a con spinoff. It's believed he wrote a pilot, um, going back to his involvement in season one of Star Trek Discovery, Strange New Worlds has a character named La'an Noonien Singh. They have um, explained there is a connection, obviously. Um, so you, you wonder what kind of cross-pollinization they would do. For want of a better metaphor, Khan is the Joker of the Star Trek universe, the greatest villain, and the idea that you could get the next generation cast facing off against the greatest villain the franchise has ever had, that could be really compelling. We've been told that the third season, very much Starship-based, a lot of submarine-style combat that could work it could work i'm reminded of a comment um about the recent the batman movie and its sequel and so forth and, and the observation was what if in this robert pattinson batman series however long ago uh, series of movies however long it might go on for what if we just didn't ever make the joker the main baddie of the whole thing like what if since it's been done in so many iterations what if we just didn't and I, I guess i would propose that back in my own you know q is here to send us back in time time loop 
hey, Picard season three, what if you didn't need to have Khan be your baddie because we've had him in the original show, we've had him in the movie series, we've had him played by the Doctor Strange. Um, I, I feel like we have some kind of compelling connection in Strange New Worlds, which is more compelling now that we've now that you and I have seen two episodes. The fact that it's like just the fact that in universe it's like, oh yeah, that's a no, we're not going to right now. And then you say, oh, something is up here, but I want to I want to find out more. Um, I feel like that's enough. I don't need like the reveal of you know, and the third actor to ever play con we are introducing you know javier bardem or whatever it is like i don't know that i need that for season three of picard so seven captain does raffi get to be can she be her first officer uh i mean raffi i think is currently lieutenant commander so only one uh filled in pip away from commander material and i think to like if I put on my, you know, showrunner hat for a second, in season three, we don't necessarily need Riker is the captain and Roy, uh, Roy, Troy is his, you know, blah, blah, blah. Like I think that it can be, these are the VIP guests that Picard has rounded up. And yes, Picard's the admiral, but for things like move us into sensor position, oh no, Eddie has been blasted out of the navigator spot. Somebody needs to hop up there. Well, it can be Seven saying, move us into position. It can be Rafi leaping over the chair and pulling aside Eddie's charred corpse to then say, the controls aren't responding. Like, there's a space for those two uh, more so than others. Could two characters in a romantic relationship serve as captain and first officer? It worked just fine on the USS Titan, Pete. She was his first officer? Um, maybe? How about this? I think that in the Star Trek future, they have figured out a way where that's not problematic. Um, so I think that, and, and, and I'm not, if I sound tongue-in-cheek at all, I don't mean that. I, I don't know that we as humans can really keep those lines in a way, or if you're in an organization, how do you make sure that there's not lines being blurred? I would be okay if in the Star Trek future, you know, Seven can dress down, Captain Seven can dress down Exo Raffi for not making sure the sensor reports were on time. And then at the end of duty shift, they can go back to their shared quarters and have a dinner. And, you know, don't forget, when we cross through these doors, this is home life. And out in the hall, that's work life. You're right. And just leave it behind. I think that if Star Trek can beam us up to aliens and so forth, we can figure out a way to have the boss not be a creeper if they're in a relationship with a subordinate. With that, Pete, let's open Hailing Frequencies. Hailing Frequencies open, sir. We go to Twitter, as we so oftentimes uh, do. Pete, people could vote their thoughts on this episode with other Patrick Stewart roles, okay? Uh, the lowest rung, Bah Humbug, of course his reference to A Christmas Carol, which I had the pleasure of seeing on Broadway, 5.6%. Next, Varshi Blows, uh, in which he was in, I think, a TNT cable production of Moby Dick. That got 0%. Excalibur, in uh, which, if you ever watched the lousy movie Excalibur, Patrick Stewart is yelling louder than everybody else in a really weird sound mix. Uh, he's in a supporting role. That got 27.8%. And then Pete's the highest rung, 
wheelchair emoji, speed emoji, exciting man, got 66.7%. Some comments, first one up from uh, James the Sagacious, that big kiln on Twitter. Conchu must have turned back. Uh, Pete, I'm not reading from the wrong thread here, by the way. <laughs> James traveling the multiverse with us from the Marvel Universe to the Star Trek Universe. Conchu must have turned back the sky because there's no way they did that in under 50 minutes. I think Species 10A is the big bad in Season 3 based on the wormhole super gun. Uh, next, JT Atkins. JTA is me. Uh, I have much good to say about this episode, but first... When our heroes are enjoying drinks at the end, the music changes to the theme from Star Trek First Contact. Somebody got a theory for that, other than it's an awesome piece of music. Uh, uh, Spider-Ham Lincoln says that was, I heard that music too, it was a nice touch. Uh, yes, but why, Q, why? I think, Pete, it was just a nice bit of music. I think other than the next generation, the motion picture theme, that's kind of become the the sentimental theme for that crew. Um, and yes, you only had Picard and, and Guinan who only was in some of the next generation films, but to, to give it there, I think kind of a precursor of, of what's coming as well. It's a, it's a great theme by Jerry Goldsmith and um, yeah, you know, Hopefully, Russo can hit that again. Spider-Ham Lincoln, Tess LC139, says, Well, they wrapped it up uh, nicely, yet haphazardly, in a sentimental Trekkian package. It wasn't perfect, but it was good. Highlights for me, in no order, Talon Sacrifice, A Traveler's Return, Rios's Choice, Seven and Rafi's Moment, Hugh's Gift, Picard's Hug, uh, JC, that's at JC the Mythic, replies, It's a pretty good list. An ultimate episode, JC says, uh, had a distinctly less than Star Trek solution to the pseudo Borg. A lot of death, but I liked the last episode very much. Uh, we heard from uh, Ms. Myra, that's at Myra Carmel on Twitter, liked the season, but did not love Rios' storyline. A bit annoying, actually. Overall, B+. Make it so, KCLYLE1 on Twitter says, loved it. I'm sure it's going to have its detractors, but I thought it ended well. Tied up the story while planting possible seeds for new storylines. The guest appearance was a nice surprise, at least uh, for me at least. Uh, I'll miss Agnes and apparently Rios. Damn. Hugh loved Picard all along. Jackie Wolf, that's at Jackie Wolf, says, Episode 9 gave me what I really wanted from Season 2. To find out why Picard has always been unable to get truly close to those he cares for. I hope we get to see Mon Capitan grow and heal in Season 3. JT Atkins, JTA is me, says, excellent finale. I'm always up for a forgiveness story, and this one certainly appeals because of Picard's need to forgive himself. But I also love the Q Picard forgiveness thread. Given the monumental problems Q has caused over the years, it is forgiveness on a grand scale. Sir Patrick and Mr. Delancey made their final scenes together an unforgettable delight. They weren't the only ones with tears in their eyes. Speaking of which, Talon's scene with Renee, as well as her final scene, were so tender, loving, and committed to the good of the other in ways that were instructive to JL, but most of all were engaging and meaningful for me. While I'm certain what qualifications landed Corey the Traveler gig, I'm glad to see things worked. Uh, well, I'm uncertain what the qualifications were. I'm glad to see things worked out for her, and Wesley grew up and turned out all right. I wouldn't have minded if he teleported them to the set of the Big Bang Theory, but perhaps we can have that short trek. 
Have we really seen the last of Rios? It seems to me there's a bilingual hologram just waiting to be activated. <laughs> Dear producers, I'll be totally fine uh, with it if you're lying about Allison Pill not returning next season. Come back, Queen Agnes. Looking forward to the exploits of the crew of the Stargazer under the watchful eye of Captain Seven. The adventure continues. Uh, this series definitely knocks it out of the park. So we, can we please have season three now? Uh, hashtag Star Trek Picard. He sends that last tweet to Kurtzman and Sir Patrick Stewart. So who knows, Pete? Stranger things might happen. Stranger new worlds. Jackie Wolf. It's at Jackie Wolf. Says Brent Spiner is at his best in playing a villain. The only storyline I was a bit disappointed in was that of Rios. Lots of things happened to him, but not much actually to develop his character in any meaningful way. Mushy B hashtag vote blue in 2022. That's at mushy underscore Burke says the surprise guest on that Picard finale made me so happy and truly ushered in the TNG cast. Can't wait to see where it goes. Lots of loose ends got tied up, but I'm hoping the rumors that Alison Pill won't be in season three are just that rumors. She had a great character arc uh, and Pete. One more tweet here from Jackie Wolf. The main lesson of the season, always back up your computer on an external <laughs> hard drive. Insert con emoji pete we go to the email inbox where we have heard from stacy uh who we had uh, been talking about on yesterday's moon Knight podcast and uh, she says uh hi matt and pete it was pretty obvious that you got i was joking about this the emails that she sends in uh being an assignment but i just want to confirm that i do not see this as homework it's more like extra credit because i enjoy all your content but one of my favorite things is that you read listener comments I've been listening to podcasts since 2007. In that time, there has only been one other that read listener feedback on the pod. And if y'all keep laughing at my jokes, that'll encourage me to continue making them. Pete, let me pause Stacy's words here to say, I think we've always read listener feedback, but for me, the, 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 the dividing point was when we podcasted WandaVision and we were hearing in a from that was probably our most um the most feedback we've ever gotten particularly emails uh for a show was for wandavision and the perspectives of a lot of people uh mm -hmm. particularly women who were sharing either directly or indirectly uh, experiences that were outside way outside what you and i have experienced mm -hmm. in life that was kind of like the eye-opener of like hey sometimes we got to hurry the podcast up because it's a little hobby and let's keep things moving here but we need to be hearing from people, not just because it's like, I like the thing. And there was a lot of pew pew phaser, like, you know, people have things to say. Let's, let's help facilitate that discussion. So uh, on to that, Pete, let me go back to Stacy's email who says, okay, on to this week's track. Picard, like discovery, the season finale stuck the landing. I wasn't sure they could wrap up everything in one, not quite a, an hour, but boy, did they get it done and it didn't feel rushed. I noticed on the second watch of Monsters that I had misunderstood Talon's ears. They were hidden by a hollow projector. Mm -hmm. Her using it to disguise herself as Renee and soon, uh, and let Soong kill her was heartbreaking. Corey deleting all of Soong's work was satisfying to watch. Would have uh, been better if he'd gotten real, uh, if he'd gotten actual repercussions for using his donations as leverage to break quarantine and murder an astronaut. But him getting away with it is more true to real life, I guess. And he does have a Project Con to unleash on the world. I was surprised Rio stayed in 2024, but I'd buy it. And getting these goods on his life with Teresa from Guinan was very sweet. I love that she spent time with them. And Rio staying behind meant Q had enough extra power to bring Elnor back. I was sure he would be back. 
but I, I had absolutely no idea how they do it. This worked for me. Very happy to see Seven and Rafi are working through their crap and giving their relationship another go. That kiss, dot, dot, dot. Too bad that was the only kiss we got. Super disappointed we only got hand-holding between Picard and Laris. Heck, Picard gave Q more affection. Of course, Q called Picard his favorite person, so that hug was definitely warranted. That whole scene between Q and Picard was a tearjerker. Mm-hmm. You matter to me, even gods have favorites, and you have always been one of mine. And that, farewell, mon capitaine, again with the chills. Q tells Picard it's all about just him, but then he is needed for the galactic import, universal states, celestial upheaval, Q dismissed. He is needed to communicate with Queenie so they can work together to save billions of lives. Sorry, Allison Pill won't be in season three. And this was a great end to her run. The Guardians at the Gate. I can't wait for season three. As always, looking forward to your thoughts. Pete, that from Stacy, aka Stingray, aka TrekGirl88 on Twitter. And let me comment, let me repeat what she said, which is um, I too would have been very happy with a Picard and Laris kiss. I think they're holding off on that for now. Um, I too also would have been okay with a little bit more of uh, oomph between Seven and Rafi. I Maybe that's a season three thing as well. But as for a right now thing, Pete, it is time to hear from Admiral Fred of the Netherlands. Hello, Matt and Pete and all listeners to Fantastic Geek. This is Fred from the Netherlands with some feedback for Star Trek Picard Season 2, Episode 10, the Season 2 Finale. I gave the episode a 9 on IMDb, so that would be a straight A, something like that. Really nice episode. I was quite worried that they could tie it up in one episode, but somehow they did. With an end that perhaps even could be a series finale, so I really wonder what they are going to do in season 3. Probably and mainly walking around in memory lane. Although we got Wesley Crosser already now. It's of course known that in season 3 we will see some other people of the next generation cast. And there was some discussion whether Will Wheaton, especially Crusher, would be in it as well. Well, we already got him here. Must be quite strange for him doing the ready room and also being able to or offered or allowed to act in Star Trek Picard. So far I haven't watched the ready room about this episode yet because I landed up in some trouble because I thought the deadline for feedback was just Sunday as always but uh, Matt and Pete shifted it to Saturday so that the deadline for Strange New Worlds was on Sunday. Normally I watch on Friday evening with my wife Picard and then I can get my feedback in before Sunday. But we watched yesterday Strange New Worlds. Actually, I put some pressure on my wife and said to her, we have really have to watch this first. Obviously, I didn't pay attention uh, somehow. Problem also is, is that I sometimes just listen very late to the previous podcast, where this is certainly being mentioned. So that results in a very first impression about this episode because I couldn't rewatch it, I just saw it in order to get my feedback in in time. So some predictions came through. I think one of you said that possibly Q would bring them back to the future and also that the Borg Queen 
The masked Borg Queen would be Jurati. Uh, also, that was right. So, compliments for that. But also, my prediction that Rios wouldn't leave Teresa. He would take her along or he would stay. Well, that's clear. What happened here? And if you had any feelings for Jurati left, she is a completely different person now. So, that doesn't matter anymore. Anyhow. It's a kind of happy ending in the sense of Ruffy and Seven is more or less okay. Ruffy got Elnor back. Car and Laris is perhaps going smoothly. Picard and Q had a nice closure. Rios and Teresa are together. The world is saved or a whole quadrant is saved from a dreadful spatial abnormality or whatever. The Borgs are suddenly the most friendliest people and can be a member of the Federation or what? We really have to look for new villains then. Nice to see Guinan back at the end here and also giving us some information how the lives of Rios and Teresa went etc etc. That probably also contributed to the feeling of an end of the season feeling. Corey got a purpose and we perhaps nicely understand how she will pop up in the future. Okay, that will be all for this time and thank you very much for this ride. And till soon, namely just in a half an hour because I'm going to record my feedback for the series premiere of Star Trek Strange New Worlds. Greetings, all the best, Fred from the Netherlands. Pete, Fred sounded very happy with the uh, the way the finale wrapped things up here. I think, though perhaps not a perfect episode, uh, Fred representing the views of many viewers that they they wrapped it up in a way that had emotional resonance and made things count. And uh, Pete, when Admiral Fred is happy, so are we all. We were talking on our ride into New York to go see the Strange New Worlds red carpet last week about just how much they were juggling and and had to attempt to land and i i think they did a really fine job by and large doing all that and you know clearly fred and our other listeners agree well pete let's certainly keep the star trek conversation going again we're going to be doing the picard season two wrap uh monday of next week so you know not in two days but rather monday of the following week uh so pete how can people be in touch with you on twitter to talk about the season to make predictions of next season and so forth you can find me on twitter at peter p-i-e-t-e-r-j-k-e-t-e-l-a-a-r 12,449 followers can't be wrong and while I'm personally looking back lost on Twitter, do be in touch with the podcast comment on fantasticgeek.com. Check us out on Twitter, Instagram, Gmail, where we are Fantastic Geek as well. But wait, be there's more. Facebook.com slash Fantastic Geek. All one word with the P and the H. Like it today. If you listen on the pop culture podcast feed, uh, we're back tomorrow for Star Trek Strange New Worlds, episode one entitled Strange New Worlds. Uh, then Monday for <laughs> more strange, Doctor Strange, the Multiverse of Madness. Uh, if you're here just for the Picard, uh, back uh, a week from Monday uh, to talk uh, the season of Picard. With that, Pete, I will say adios to all our listeners. Nay, I will say bon chance to all our listeners. 
and give you the final word. Time's a funny thing. Thank you.